Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 440, and today we are talking about some of our most anticipated books of 2024. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Patricia Elsie Tuttle, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Patricia, hello! Hi, Liberty! How's it going? You know what? It's going as well as it can. It's a busy time of year. Um, And, you know, I, (laughs) Nicole and I were like, you know, it's a busy time of year. Let's make it more busy. So we started (laughs) our own podcast. So (laughs) just on top of everything else. It's the best time is when you're busy is the best time to do other things, I think. (laughs) Just roll right into the next thing. Just procrastinate doing things by doing other things. Oh, yeah. I hear that. That's how I get 800 things done before I do the thing that I need to do. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So it's that time of year. We're doing roundups. Um, This episode is number 440, which means that the corresponding area code, it serves most of southern, western, and eastern suburbs of Cleveland. I should say the southern, western, and eastern suburbs of Cleveland. Um, which I've never really visited for a long time. I was there once at the bus station for a couple of hours, but I've not actually spent a long period of time in Cleveland. Although my favorite NBA player who is not a Celtic is on the Cleveland Cavaliers, Darius Garland. I love him. That's all I know about Cleveland. Yeah, any Cleveland um, stories? Oh, and Drew Carey, of course, but that's it. Oh, of course. <laughs> I I think I flew into Cleveland once, but it was on my way to Erie, Pennsylvania. Oh. Was it, was that where, what was that show that when we were kids, Erie, yeah, Erie it Illinois? Was Erie. It was the show when we were kids was Erie, Pennsylvania, but they put two E's in front of, at the beginning of the word. I loved that show. Yeah. It wasn't on very long though. No, it was like X-Files for kids. Yeah. Yeah. Was it Omri Katz? Is that his name? The kid from, from oh. uh, Hocus Pocus? Oh, I think was? so. Yeah. Is that his name? I now I'm just making stuff oh, up. Oh, I don't know if it's, I think that's his name, but it was the kid from Hocus Pocus, I think. Yeah. What was his name? I'm looking it up and like it's not showing anyone's name <laughs> except for like the lady witches. Let's see here. Yeah, Omri Katz. Okay. Yeah. I can't tell you what I had for breakfast this morning, but I can <laughs> name all these things. Um let's see. What else? We're very excited to talk about books that are coming out next year. I'm excited because I have read six and a half of my eight today. Oh, my gosh. um, Like, these are serious endorsements because I've read them. I know it. But, like, no one is required to read their advanced picks. Like, it's it's too much to ask of anyone who actually has a life. (laughs) So. I don't uh, know if I actually have a life. I haven't read any of these books, and I'm 
I am overwhelmed <laughs> by oh. the choice because they're such good books. I just want to read them all at once. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I shuffled my list around like 15 times. And then on Thanksgiving, I read a book that went right to the top of my list, basically. And I was like, no, I have to pick one to take off. <laughs> the list so we're gonna talk about those soon but first we want to remind you that we at tbr are now bringing paperbacks whether you hate carrying around bulky hardcovers you're on a budget you want a wider range of recommendations or all of the above you can now get a paperback subscription from tbr curated just for you by one of our bibliologists you can also gift it since the holidays are coming or gift it to yourself I say it every time. Me, I'm team. Give yourself a gift. Um, so you can get all the details at mytbr.co. That's mytbr.co. And yeah, I want books for Christmas. That's what I always want. People are like, don't you ever want something else? I'm like, do you even know me? Like, no. I do always buy myself a Christmas present because we're not big on like giving each other gifts at Christmas time because we just get whatever we want when we want it usually but I always buy myself something like ridiculous and this year I bought a pair of knee-high boots that look like they're made out of like black yeti fur so, oh my gosh yeah that was my present to myself this year very exciting not that I go anywhere this is where I'm around the house and frighten the cats I'm worried that they're gonna start grooming them so I have them like sequestered away from the cats because <laughs> I don't want to get like matted you know yeti boots <laughs> yeah we so. generally have a rule for like end of October ish we're not allowed to buy anything for ourselves and so yeah. we will just send each other links and Instagram posts of like this thing is cool or I'll be <laughs> in the kitchen and be like oh wow I wish I had another one of these spatulas <laughs> uh, awesome all right, so before we start telling you about which books we finally settled on for today, we are going to hear from our first sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. Diana Dixon has a busy summer and no time for tall, gorgeous hockey player Shane's shenanigans. Because you know what? If they shenan once, they'll shenan again. So she thinks she knows exactly who he is when he moves into her apartment building. But turns out Shane's sick of hookups and tired of being on the rebound after his long-term girlfriend called it quits. But when his ex comes back into the picture, he needs a plan. And who better to play his new girlfriend than his sassy new neighbor? So a, a fake relationship might be perfect for Diana's own ex issues, but Diana is used to living by the rules. Will she learn that when it comes to love, rules are meant to be broken? Make sure to check out The Dixon Rule by L. Kennedy. L. Kennedy is a New York Times and USA Today bestselling author with over a million copies of her books sold. So this is going to be another banger, y'all. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang. So this is an interesting love story. It's great for fans of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and High Fidelity. It's set in the mid-90s at NYU. And it follows young Wang, who has gotten the advice 
of love through Chinese numerology from his uncle. So he believes that he will have seven great loves in his life. And then he meets Irena in 95. And she's like the best. She's brilliant, charismatic, quick-witted, funny. They fall in love. But the thing is, she's number six. So if he is to have seven great loves, does that mean his time with Arena is going to come to an end? So this is a love letter to Western pop culture, Eastern traditions, and being a first-generation New Yorker. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang for sponsoring this episode. All right. So... Books that are coming out next year that we're excited about. I think I'm just going to start it off by mentioning a couple of things. One, don't hold us to these dates. Like, they change all the time. And two, there's a couple of books that we don't know are coming out that I think are worth mentioning, but just don't get excited because we don't know if it's happening. The first being Electo the Ninth, which was to be the third book in the Locked Tomb series from Tamsin Muir uh, after Gideon and Harrow, but then got moved to the fourth to make way for Nona. There's no, there's no information about this coming out this year, but you know, just put it on your list as like a maybe. And the other one that has a date, but it's been moved so many times. I'm not holding my breath, but it does have a cover now is the sequel to my favorite thing is monsters by Emil Ferris. Supposedly it's coming April 9th, but like I said, it has been moved so many times, so put a little question mark next to that one, too. But, I mean, that is going to be amazing because the artwork in the first one is just mind-blowingly good. So I'm very excited about that. And I also just want to take a moment to mention that you cannot trust Goodreads. So I had people who were all excited because they thought a new Donna Tart was coming out a few months ago because somebody made a fake page for a Donna Tart book and people were losing their minds being like, I can't believe we're getting a new Donna Tart. It's like, because it's not true. I'm sorry. You know, and the same thing is going for the new Rebecca Yaros book. Like somebody made a fake page saying it's coming out on January 1st, the third book in the series after the second one just came out. Like that is not true as well. Just do like a little research. If you are really excited about something, like make sure, you know, because anybody can make a Goodreads page. And unfortunately, anybody does. So <laughs> that said, all right, let's talk about these books. My first pick for today is The Book of Love by Kelly Link, which comes out on February 13th. I did these in order of release date. Um, so this one's coming out February 13th. Kelly Link, I talk about her all the time. I love her books so much. She's a Pulitzer-nominated author with several short story collections. Um, and this is her debut novel. And it's huge huge over 600 pages and it's about three teens who live in a small massachusetts town and one night they're at their school after hours which is weird it's also weird because they're wearing strange clothes and their music teacher is there and oh yeah they're back from the dead they find out that they've been dead for some time but their music teacher is no ordinary music teacher and he needs them in a battle against forces of evil. So he has brought them back. Uh, it's absolutely bananas. 
so good. I'm calling it, you know, like everything that people write is their own thing, but you can also like give people an idea, like sometimes of the tone or, you know, the the setting. It, it's I'm calling it Skippy Dies meets Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell. I mean, it's like Susanna Clark wrote Stranger Things. It's amazing. That one is The Book of Love by Kelly Link. I have also put my books in order of date, but <laughs> they're going to uh, skip around compared to Liberties because I have a few books that start that come out in January. So for my first pick, I have Dinner on Monster Island Essays by Tanya de Rosario, and it is out on January 10th. Tanya de Rosario is a Lambda Literary Award finalist, and this collection of personal essays is a blend of memoir with an exploration of the idea of monsters. She writes about growing up queer, brown, and fat in Singapore, and when she was 12, she underwent an exorcism. Her mother and mother's church friends thought that her queerness was clearly a sign of some evil and needed to be dealt with. De Rosario draws from experiences like this, as well as pop culture, horror films, history, and current events to examine how we define monsters and how often in real life the monsters are hidden in plain sight. She focuses on monstrous women and digs into films like The Ring and Carrie to uncover the ways in which women are frequently portrayed as monsters, while in actuality, monsters are rarely who we are told they are to be. Very excited for this book. It is Dinner on Monster Island Essays by Tanya de Rosario, and it's out January 10th. All right. I think I have all fiction today, I just realized. I tried to get in the nonfiction, but didn't manage this time. My next pick also comes out on February 13th. It's called The Book of Doors by Gareth Brown. So we have The Book of Love and The Book of Doors, both coming out on February 13th. The Book of Doors, also a debut, also like 500 pages. It's about a young woman who works at a bookstore, and one of her elderly customers dies and leaves her a book called Guess. The Book of Doors. And she thinks this is a nice gift, but then she discovers that the Book of Doors allows her to walk through any door that she wants as long as she's in possession of this book. She discovers, like, if she's at home and she has to go to work, she can just picture the back door of the bookstore and open the door to her apartment and walk through into the stockroom at the bookstore. Cuts out going on the subway. You know, it's really handy. Then she figures out. I can picture a door in Paris and go to Paris and come back to my apartment and I don't have jet lag and I don't have to pay airfare. And this is a pretty great trick, but with great power comes great responsibility. She learns there are more books with different powers out there in the world. And there are people who would do anything to own them, including this very, very, very scary villain called the woman. This is really fun. It's really dark in places. It's like my favorite combination. It's a good time. It's called The Book of Doors by Gareth Brown, and it's out February 13th. I love how when we do this show every year, you have almost all or all fiction. I have almost all nonfiction. I think I Yay. have one fiction book in my list. So <laughs> good job, us. Yay. Go team. 
So for my next pick, I have Reclaiming Ugly, a radically joyful guide to unlearn oppression and uplift, glorify and love yourself by Vanessa Rochelle Lewis. It is out January 23rd. Ugly was an insult thrown around a lot when I was a kid in the 80s and early 90s at school and my family. It was a super common thing to call people, like saying things like, you're ugly and your mother dresses you funny, or U-G-L-Y, you don't got no alibi, you're ugly. Like it was just ubiquitous. It was in songs. Um, it was It was everywhere. It was also and continues to be inherently ableist and racist and colorist and classist and transphobic and anti-fat and you name it. I remember seeing someone post online a few years ago the question, were you actually ugly as a child or were you a person of color in primarily white spaces? The author, Deshaun Harrison, talks a lot about desirability politics in their book, Belly of the Beast. And so I'm excited to read Reclaiming Ugly by Vanessa Rochelle Lewis because she is taking a somewhat different approach to the idea of ugly. While I'm sure she lays some groundwork, this book aims to look beyond analysis to some practical guidance on the subversive act of reclaiming and owning the term and idea of ugly. Readers can expect roadmaps to paths of self-acceptance and self-love. This is Reclaiming Ugly, a radically joyful guide to unlearn oppression and uplift, glorify, and love yourself by Vanessa Rochelle Lewis, and it's out January 23rd. My next pick is out February 13th. February 13th is going to be an amazing day for books. It's The Warm Hands of Ghosts by Catherine Arden. If you recognize Catherine Arden's name, that's because she's the author of several books, including the Bear and the Nightingale series. This is a historical speculative fiction novel about Laura, who is a World War I nurse. She is wounded uh, when a bomb goes off near the hospital where she's working, and she's sent home back to Halifax. Unfortunately, she arrives just a few days before the January uh, 1918 explosion, which is a very famous incident in history. Um, you can read about it in this amazing book called Curse of the Narrows. But it's a true story where a munitions ship exploded, like leveling the town. And then a giant snowstorm like they'd never seen before came and covered it up. So it was really hard to recover um, the victims. It's just harrowing. So she gets home and that happens. She survives it. Um, and shortly after that, she receives a package with her brother's belongings. He is named Freddie and he is a soldier over in Europe. Um, and she's told that he has died and like, this is a lot for her to take in at one time. And she's like, there's no explanation about what happened to him and they never found his body. So she wants to know what happened. This is something that she needs to do. So she manages to get herself back to Belgium. And while she's trying to find out what happened to Freddie, it goes back in time in alternating chapters to Freddie's story in November of, of uh, 1917. I wrote 2017. That's not right. In 1917. Uh, and what happened to him? It is gorgeous and devastating and, you know, there are so few World War One novels. You know, it's so great to read about that time period that isn't covered very much. 
uh, or I should say a few compared to World War II novels. Um, and it is a speculative novel, but it does not detract like from the fact at all that it is a hard-hitting war novel. It is The Warm Hands of Ghosts by Catherine Arden. For my next pick, I have Be a Revolution, How Everyday People Are Fighting Oppression and Changing the World, and How You Can Too by Ijeoma Oluo, and it is out on January 30th. Ijeoma Oluo is the number one New York Times bestselling author of So You Want to Talk About Race and Mediocre, The Dangerous Legacy of White Male America, two books that I absolutely love. Both of these books explore the underlying white supremacy of the systems we have in place in the United States, and they are hard conversations to have from places of trauma, of hurt, and of terror. Be a Revolution also explores, along with these things, our most prevalent systems like housing, healthcare, policing, education, and more, and intends to move us from having these conversations about structural change to actually taking action in positively changing the structures that harm us all. Olo shares some of the many ways people are working at this change and offers ideas on how to join folks doing the work and how to bring this kind of work and momentum to your own communities. I am incredibly excited to read this. It's Be a Revolution, How Everyday People Are Fighting Oppression and Changing the World, and How You Can Too by Ijeoma Oluo, and it's out on January 30th. So my next pick is Wandering Stars by Tommy Orange, which comes out on February 27th. This book, I know you understand me when I say this. I say it about a couple things. I was so excited to get this book because I'm such a big fan of There There, his first novel. But then I got so excited to read this that I stopped because I just couldn't handle it. And also, it's a continuation of sorts or not a continuation, but it, it um, involves several of the families from there there, but it goes back uh, to events in the 19th century in Colorado and the Creek Massacre of 1864 and the Carlisle Indian Industrial School. Um, and so I realized like I wanted to read there there again before I, I read this. So I did stop reading, but what little I read of it, it was fantastic because Tommy Orange is an amazing writer and there there is so good. Take this time now to read it if you haven't, because this is coming out February 27th. It's Wandering Stars by Tommy Orange. For my next pick, I have Come Together, The Science and Art of Creating Lasting Sexual Connections by Emily Nagoski, PhD. It is also out on January 30th. Emily Nagoski is co-author of one of my favorite books, Burnout, and author of another of my favorite books, Come As You Are. I am so incredibly excited for her new book. I've mentioned on past shows that I was a sex educator and I've trained other sex educators for many years. I am always incredibly skeptical about human sexuality books, but Nagoski's other work is rooted in actual research and not just vibes, so I'm really looking forward to this. Come Together takes a look at sex in long-term relationships. Sexual connection can ebb and flow over time. And for many people, at some point, it may just be ebbing with no flowing. 
the thing is, there's hardly any solid advice out there for what people can do to change this to, I don't know, sometimes the advice is like, spice things up or get another partner. And that's not helpful for most people. A lot of what's out there is based on the idea that sexual attraction is highest at the beginning of the relationship when everything is new and exciting and then dwindles. And Nagoski is here to tell us that that's not actually true. And then, of course, she offers some roadmaps on how to find your way back to satisfaction. It's come together the science and art of creating lasting sexual connections by Emily Nagoski, PhD. And it's out January 30th. Okay, so my next pick is the one that I read yesterday and had to get in here because it's amazing. I was talking to a bookseller on Wednesday and she was telling me, oh, I'm thinking about reading this book over Thanksgiving break because one of our other sellers loves it. And I was like, oh, sounds interesting. I'll read it. And I started it and I couldn't put it down. And I read it yesterday. It's called The Husbands by Holly Gramazio. It comes out on April 2nd. I am so glad that I read this book. It's I'm also distracted by the fact that my desk chair keeps making all these creaky sounds. I don't know what's happening. But anyway, I'm so glad that I picked this book up. It's so fun. It's about like there are no spoilers here. This is all going to be information that you can find in the description because I don't want to spoil anything about this book for you. It's about a woman named Lauren. She's 31. She has a flat in London. She's out one night at a hen party, which is like a bachelor, what they call a bachelorette party. She comes home very late, like three o'clock in the morning um, to her husband who was waiting up for her and asking her how she is and all these questions. But here's the thing. Lauren isn't married yet. She's trying to make sense of what's happening because she's looking at this man. He knows who she is. There's photos in her flat now that appear to be their wedding photos, photos of them together. She starts looking at her phone. She finds photos of them together. She finds text messages with all their friends that involve conversations. They talk about when she got married. There's email. She's like, what is happening? Like, was I drugged when I went out? Did I hit my head? You know, this guy whose name she finds out is Michael. She, you know, thinks like she's had a little too much to drink and maybe she's a little confused. And in the morning, she sleeps on the couch because she's like, I, I got to figure this out. Maybe I should just sleep this off. He gets up and he goes upstairs into the attic to change the light bulb because the light has been flickering. And when she hears her husband, her husband she doesn't know, coming down the stairs, it's a totally different man. And it turns out that her attic in her flat all of a sudden is creating new husbands. And every time she sends one up, all the way up into the attic, a different one comes down. So now she starts changing husbands because she doesn't know what's going on. She's still trying to figure it out. And eventually she's like, okay, if this is what's going to happen, I'm going to find one that I like. You know, she starts judging some of them immediately when they come down, you know, like because maybe they've tucked their shirt in the way that she doesn't like, or she's making very superficial judgments on some of them. You know, they have a sloppy mustache. Um, Some of them she keeps around for a few days. And then if they start to do something that annoys her, she sends them up. And it's like, what does she do with this power? She doesn't understand why it's happening. She doesn't know how to get it to stop. When does she stop 
sending these men back up into the attic and keep the one that comes down, you know, and does the perfect person exist? Like, can you get that person who has all the same interests and, and just meshes with you so well, you know, it's fantastic. So inventive. It's the perfect balance of funny and serious and thoughtful. This book sold in a huge deal. And also there was a giant bidding war over the film rights and congratulations to her because you, I love to hear a success story like that. Um, so this is The Husbands by Holly Gramazio. Comes out April 2nd. Oh my gosh, that sounds so fun. It really is. But like, it's also, you know, there's a lot of meat to it. And it's very serious. Like, it's so good. I am so glad that I texted that bookseller because otherwise I would have missed out on it for a while, I'm sure. <laughs> So for my next pick, we have, surprise, more nonfiction. It is Who's Afraid of Gender by Judith Butler. It is out March 19th. Judith Butler has so many academic honors and publications, including their well-known book, Gender Trouble, Feminism and the Subversion of Identity. I recognize, like, I say well-known and that with almost all books, it really depends on the circles and communities you're in, of course. So Who's Afraid of Gender is an incredibly relevant and timely social and political analysis of how gender, with quotation marks, is being used as a boogeyman to fuel oppression. I imagine if I said boogie person instead of boogie man, there are people out there who would absolutely lose their mind. And that just kind of proves the point of this book. Constant attacks on gender are absolutely integral to right wing rhetoric. And I'm saying again, gender in quotation marks, because the people attacking it or what they think it means likely can't even define this thing that they are so against. Butler examines how gender became this imaginary villain to fascist formations trans-exclusionary feminists, and other groups who seek to subjugate. They also connect the dots between anti-gender ideology and things like critical race theory, anti-immigrant xenophobia, and more. While all of this sounds like a downer to many of us, it is written from a place of hope for freedom and solidarity, and I cannot wait to dig in. This book is Who's Afraid of Gender by Judith Butler, and it is out March 19th. All right, we have some more awesome books coming up, but first we're going to hear from another sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of The Familiar by Lee Bardugo. This is one I'm actually super excited about. I liked Lee Bardugo's other adult fantasy books, and so I'm really looking forward to this one. It's set in the Spanish Golden Age during a time of high stakes political intrigue and glittering wealth. It follows Luzia, a servant in the household of an impoverished Spanish nobleman who reveals a talent for little miracles. Her social climbing mistress demands Luzia use her gifts to win over Madrid's most powerful players, but what begins as simple amusement takes a dangerous turn. Luzia will need to use every bit of her wit and will to survive, even the help of Guillén Santángel, an immortal familiar whose own secrets could prove deadly for them both. So The Familiar by Lee Bardugo is on sale now. 
And like I said, it's a must read of the season. It's perfect for anyone who loves history, a little bit of magic, a lot of danger. You can get your copy now at LeeBardugoTheFamiliar.com. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of The Familiar by Lee Bardugo for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. No summer vacation should be without a great read. And I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my hot month reads. It's hot girl reading summer always over here. And from the award-winning librettist of Legally Blonde, the musical and the screenwriter of Freaky Friday, Heather Hawk, comes the page-turning psychological thriller, The Trouble with Drowning. So when author Eden Hart floats into Tucson's Antigone books and all her dazzling perfection to give a reading, Kat, a struggling writer, can't help but compare herself. Thankfully, Kat's life starts to take on its own Eden-like glow when her literary future takes shape and she falls madly in love with Jacob. As demons from her past begin to surface, Kat's mental health craters and this halcyon dream slips through her fingers. For the fastest paced slow burn you won't be able to put down, be sure to check out The Trouble with Drowning by Heather Hawk on Amazon or your retailer of choice. And thanks again to Greenleaf Book Group for sponsoring this episode. Okay, my next pick today is A Better World by Sarah Langan, which comes out on April 9th. Langan wrote Good Neighbors, which was my book obsession a couple of years ago. This one, as much as I love Good Neighbors, I think I enjoyed this one even more, which is saying something. It's about a woman named Linda. She is a doctor. She and her husband, who has just been laid off from the EPA, live with their teenage twins in a really scary neighborhood because every neighborhood is scary because the future is bleak and violent and bad things are happening everywhere. And then they get word of a place called Plymouth Valley. Plymouth Valley is a walled off town owned by a gazillionaire where the air is clean, there's plenty of food, there's no crime, the schools are great, and her husband is invited to work at a facility there and they think their prayers have been answered. But right away, they realize something is off. No one in their neighborhood will friend them. Her husband's coworkers are sabotaging his work and there's something called hollow, which requires them to leave offerings in their home on a little altar. Now, what's a few pomegranates sitting in your house, you know, in return for like a peaceful life that like 99.99999% of the world isn't getting. Well, when Linda starts to look closer, she will be shocked by what she finds out about Plymouth Valley. This is like a an Ira Levin novel for the 21st century. I thought I knew where this was going and I was always wrong and that always made me happy. It's A Better World by Sarah Langan, which is out April 9th. For my next pick, I have Disability Intimacy, Essays on Love, Care, and Desire, edited by Alice Wong. It is out on March 26th. I know this entire show is books we're excited about that come out next year, but this one is near the top of my list. I loved Disability Visibility so incredibly much, and I am so grateful that Alice Wong has edited a new collection of essays, poetry, drama, photo essays, and erotica. 
a lot of folks hear the word intimacy and immediately equate that with sex. While this book definitely explores sex and the intersections of sexual intimacy with disability justice, because yes, there are plenty of disabled folks who have sex, this book is about intimacy in many forms. Intimacy outside of romance and outside of sex can happen in all relationships. This book explores the myriad ways it occurs for the disability community, whether it be through community itself, friendships, relationships with caregivers, and more. What does intimacy mean when sometimes physical distance needs to be enforced? I've been reading a lot of books about community and friendships and loneliness the past few years, and the through line is connection, and at its core, this book is about connection. It's Disability Intimacy, Essays on Love, Care, and Desire, edited by Alice Wong, and it is out on March 26th. All right, my next pick for today is one that you have also read, Patricia. Um, But I called it first. Oh, my goodness. This is in... So, like, this was in the running for my favorite book of 2024. But then I read one on uh, Tuesday night that I'll tell you about later that might have taken its place. Oh, I can't... I don't even know. It's hard to say. What's, like, Mm. who can have one favorite book? But this is The Dead Cattail Assassins by P. Jelly Clark comes out on april 23rd i just want to start off by saying there are no dead cats in this book it is just a name they pick the name it's arbitrary it's and this is not a book in his gin series which is like what i've been craving i just love that series and i was like more p jelly clark and now that i've read this one i'm so mad because i'm like now i've already read it but it's so good it's a slim novel about a group of assassins including Evine the eviscerator Evine is very good at her job. Then she is given an assignment. She's hired to take an assassination job that just blows the doors off her world. I can't tell you what happens because that's a spoiler. Let's just say things go sideways. And suddenly Evine finds herself the target of the people she works for and works with. It's so fun and so dark in places it's just a freaking delight um that's all i can really tell you about it uh but clark is quickly becoming one of my very favorite authors i mean just everything he writes is fantastic and this is the dead cattail assassins by p jelly clark out on april 23rd with no dead cats i loved this book so much i told you and I love, like you said, it's so funny, but also so dark. And that's like the sweet spot for me, like funny and dark, what we do in the shadows, like just uh, chef's kiss. And yeah, his writing is some of my favorite. It's entrancing. Like you just can't stop reading it. It's so good. I'm like, oh, how can he be so good? Mm-hmm. So, for my next pick, I have We Refuse, A Forceful History of Black Resistance by Kelly Carter Jackson. It is out on June 4th. 
Last year, there was a graphic novel by Rebecca Hall titled Wake, the Hidden History of Women-Led Slave Revolts that fundamentally rewrote my understanding of Black resistance. We Refuse, a Forceful History of Black Resistance promises to do this even more. The story of Black resistance we are often taught is a binary of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s peaceful protests on one side and Malcolm X's by any means necessary on the other side. This binary is not only false, but the lack of depth and nuance makes it incredibly harmful. This book aims to offer that depth and nuance in looking at Black resistance to white supremacy, particularly around resistance that has been initiated and or directed by Black women. There is a lot of virtue signaling around resisting peacefully versus with force. And there are views that resistance to the violence of white supremacy is only allowable if it is palatable. Like it's fine if you protest, but it's not fine if you shut down the freeways. Carter Jackson explores the way that force has played a huge part in Black resistance. And by force, she doesn't only mean physical violence, but also work stoppages, property destruction, and more. Carter Jackson examines violence as not the answer, but rather an answer that works in conjunction with the many other things that have shaped Black struggle, including cultivating joy and the non-act of not engaging at all. The title is We Refuse, A Forceful History of Black Resistance by Kelly Carter Jackson, and it is out June 4th. Okay, my last pick for today is The Stardust Grail by Yume Kitase. It's out June 11th. I have not read this one, but if you have it, give it to me. I want to read it. I am such a big fan of Kitase's debut, which came out in July, which is called The Deep Sky it's one of the best books of 2024. Uh, 20, I'm already moving on to the next year. 2023. It's definitely one of the best debuts. You're going to hear more about it in a couple weeks. Um, I am desperate to get my hands on this one. This one is being billed as a thrilling anti-colonial space heist to save an alien civilization. It's about a thief who comes out of retirement for one last job. I love a one last job story. And there is an object she must retrieve that could keep an alien civilization from going extinct. So no pressure. It sounds amazing. The cover is fantastic. Fantastic. It's called The Stardust Grail by Yume Kitase, and it comes out on June 11th. So my last pick is my one fiction pick for today. It is Little Rot, a novel by Akweke Amezi, and it comes out June 18th. Like I said, the one work of fiction I'm talking about today, I'm pretty sure that within the past couple of years, Akweke Amezi said they're done writing books, and yet we are being blessed by more of their literary work, and I could cry with joy. This novel focuses on five friends, and it is told from the points of view of each of these five people. Two of them recently had a breakup. 
one of these two goes to a sex party hosted by a friend. Some kind of decision is made that starts an absolute storm of chaos and consequences. There are also two visiting sex workers who intersect with the three people I mentioned, and things get more complicated and messy. Amazie is so good at writing mess. I cannot wait. These people have been sucked into the corrupt underbelly of the Nigerian city where this takes place. And the story ricochets about between betrayal and sexual violence and murder and power. Only by reading this novel will you get to discover to what lengths each of these five will go to save themselves or maybe even each other. This book sounds like such a wild ride. And from my experience of devouring their book, You Made a Full of Death with Your Beauty, and then reeling from it for weeks after I read it, I'm sure this book will also be an absolute experience. It's Little Rot, a novel by Akweke Mezi, and it is out June 18th. Okay, so two things. One, uh... Erie, Indiana. That just popped into my head. The show was Erie, Indiana. Like, I said Erie, Pennsylvania. Then I said Erie, Illinois. And then I, like, my brain was like, no, that's not right. Keep thinking. Uh, you're so it's right. Erie, yeah. Indiana. It's Erie, Indiana. Um, yeah. Uh, and two, uh, those are the books that we are super excited about, that we have read, that we haven't read, that sound amazing. What are you going to read next? Well, speaking of our new favorite, I'm finally reading A Master of Gin by P.J. Lee Clark. I have read like his novellas, The Black Dog, God's Drums, obviously Dead Cat Tail Assassins, Ring Shout, um, A Baney Song, his uh, middle grade that came out earlier this year. And so finally, I'm diving into the gin universe. And awesome. it is... Uh, so good. And I'm also going to read a book that came out this month called Conjuring the Calabash, Empowering Women with Hoodoo Spells and Magic by Mawia Kai El-Jamabamani. How about you, Liberty? What are you reading next? Okay, so remember I mentioned that I read a book this week that might be my favorite book of next year now? So you and I were supposed to record on Tuesday. Right before we were supposed to record, I got a copy of a book that I didn't even have on my bingo card for next year. It's Moonbound, the new novel from Robin Sloan, who wrote Sourdough and Mr. Penumbra's 24-Hour Bookstore. I was so excited. And I was like, well, I'm going to read this after Patricia and I record our show. Then I fainted. So I like to like retell the story. as like I was so excited about the Robin Sloan book that I fainted. But I fainted. We didn't get to record. I was sent to bed because, you know, spouse you know, frowns on fainting. Uh, so I did eventually get to read it that night. And oh my goodness. It's unbelievable. I just could just start squealing and not stop because I can't tell you very much about it without spoiling it. Nothing I'm going to tell you right now is a spoiler. It's about a young boy and a wizard. And it's set 13,000 years in the future. And it's narrated by a piece of technology. And it's so freaking good. 
Oh my goodness. I cannot get over how imaginative and amazing this book was. So um, sorry to rub it in, but Moonbound by Robin Sloan out June 11th. So fantastic. And so now I'm going to read a book that I haven't read yet because uh, I'm in the mood for a mystery. It's called Yule Island. It's an award-winning mystery uh, by Johanna Gustafsson and translated by David Warriner. And it's about a murder that takes place in a fancy rich house in Sweden. So, yeah. Well, I guess I'm um, adding Moonbound to my list. It's banana pants <laughs> to the nth degree. Like, it, I mean, I was so excited, first of all. I didn't know this was happening. Um, and then I read it and I was like, uh, what is even going on? Oh, my goodness. And there's like some really cool things that I wish I could tell you because you go, oh, yeah, I definitely want to read it because of that. But I can't because there are spoilers. So <laughs> just you'll just have to trust me. Um, and now my stomach is telling me that it's time to go. I don't know if you heard that, but my stomach was just like, feed me. <laughs> so you have that, all too in your stomach? <laughs> I do. <laughs> That's all for us for today. You can visit mytbr.co to find out more and sign up. It only takes a few minutes. That's mytbr.co. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Caitlin Brame. That you can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. Patricia, where can people find you online? Mostly Instagram, sometimes Blue Sky, the info file, T-H-E-I-N-F-O-P-H-I-L-E. Okay, and I mostly hang out on Instagram at Friends and Comes Alive. And if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is you get your podcasts and leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. We love book lovers. We love books. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, happy, happy reading. reading.